This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 48th episode of the Practice Learning Teams podcast show. On today's show, Glynis McCarthy, Brent Robinson and I respond to a listener's request about the value or importance of a formal assessment of the skills or accreditation of a learning teams facilitator. Guys, what do you think about this concept of uh, having some form of formal accreditation or assessment of being a learning teams facilitator? dilemma that I have is does it need to be a formalized or does it need to be informal I think there definitely needs to be an inquiry so I think that we should have a good understanding of what it is that we're striving for and we should have a really good understanding of where we start from and we should have a clearly articulated plan of how we're going to go from where we are to where we need to go but whether that needs to be a formalized assessment approach or whether it needs to be something that is really centered on what does a good facilitator look like and what are we trying to achieve? Um, so for me, I, I, the, the boat is out on whether it needs to be um, a formalized process to do that. And when we say formalized, I, I think the, we, we're seeing some organizations offering effectively a certificate. And I don't know how valuable that actually is. You know, at, at the moment, we're right in the middle of finalising our first uh, learning teams journal. And that the purpose of the journal is to allow learning teams facilitators to uh, sort of map out their learning journey, to go about trying learning teams in those different modes, and for them to be able to um, self-reflect and do some you know, thinking about that and also providing for that coaching mechanism. So I think what we've tried to do, Glynis, with that with that learning journal is for it to be more of a, I suppose, evidence-based approach to learning teams rather than a formal assessment-based approach. Is it worthwhile discussing the difference between sort of evidence-based approach versus assessment-based approach for our listeners? Yeah, yeah definitely. Why yeah. don't you kick us off? Sure. So, so when I think about a, a formal assessment-based approach, we're, we're basically defining a set of criteria for the types of skills that the person requires. And we're creating basically some sort of framework where basically that person is being measured or tested against those sets of skills. And uh, there may be different levels that may be achieved from that. And then from that assessment, the person is basically, I, I imagine they're trying to identify where the gaps are and they're basically trying to fill in those gaps. And Look, I'm... Yeah, I, look, I really agree with that. I think that anybody that's um, facilitated a learning team, um, whether it be about everyday learning or whether it be about management or change or to do with an incident, will soon realise that, that they will have some gaps. And so I think unlike if we were doing a formalised um, learning project programme that was to do with facilitation skills per se, I think this is heavily contextualised. I think it's really contextualised to the environment in which we're working in with the people that we work with and for the and for the type of materials that we're going to be covering or talking about. And so I think that that kind of portfolio of evidence, again, where you 
have an idea of what your starting point is, an idea of what it is that we what that you need to achieve and where you want to get to. I think that that is a more powerful way of learning. I think it puts you more into the active position rather than being a passive participant um, of a training program that is predetermined for you. Um, so I'm very much in favor of that kind of portfolio of evidence or so the evidential approach to learning. I just think that as adults, it really pushes us to be much more empowered in our learning than when learning comes to us from the sort of top-down approach. Don't you, but some people are going to want to be able to try some of these facilitation skills in a group, you know, in the safety of a group training exercise that lets them work out how they're going to um, develop their participation skills or their poking round skills or sitting with hotspot, you know, micro skills. And some people want to do it where they're, they're testing themselves. And I think you might have to actually have both because different people are going to have different needs along the way. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not wedded to either way. Um, I just like that there's an opportunity for people to experiment safely and try some stuff and, you know, and fail safely if they have to, that's, that's fine. Um, for me, that's what works for, I find that's what works for me that, you know, when I tried some facilitation, the first time I came in as the um, senior manager that I was, and it took me some time to let my guard down and, and try those different things. And so that's, that's what I'm really keen to try and see if that works. Right. But does, having a piece of paper create any value i don't know if it, yeah i don't know if it creates any value um some people will feel that it's valuable you see i make a very big distinction between uh, the teaching input and the learning and the developing of a skill set and the assessment input yep. i think formative assessment is really important and i think you know having a community of practice and certainly having the opportunity to have a, a safe space to try out new things i think that's hugely important and that's all part of learning to me I, I suppose the question that I the the part that I question is whether or not we it needs to be formalized so do you need to hold a piece of paper that has been given to you on behalf of to say that you're going to be a good facilitator in a learning teams environment I think that you need really good uh, um in uh, interventions and those interventions can be all sorts of different things um, and I suspect that there's a component of formative assessment so assessing as you go along to inform teaching and to inform how you're learning but I think that summative piece which is often the bit that you kind of get from the accreditation part actually I don't know if that is something that I see as being hugely valuable I agree that not everyone is going to want to do um, self-directed learning um, that many people will want to be able to um, test out things in a, in a psychologically safe way and, um, you know, try different approaches, see which ones work, um, have the opportunity to see um, other people showing how some of these skills are put into place and, and what are the things that work, where are the pitfalls. Um, I suppose to me it is what's the end point. So if we go back to the question, um, Brent, was the question really about do we need to have an assessment to say that you are able to do this competently is that the question or is yeah, the question I, I think it, i think it was uh, uh, does there does there need to be some form of formal assessment process to be accredited as a learning teams facilitator 
and I, I, I'm I'm mixed because I would say one of the most important things we're trying to build with people is their ability to reflect and to critically think. And these types of skills that we have identified in the book, the Practice of Learning Teams, those types of skills, if they're not applied, those skills will diminish over time. So it's the application of the skill that's actually really important to that. And there's, there's no doubt that there needs to be um, an element of coaching and mentoring as well. So like everything else, you know, people need to understand um, their current state, where they're at. They need to understand their future state, where they want to be. And, and I think the book was very good about defining what does good look like? This is what a good learning teams facilitator looks like. And it gave them that ability to basically uh, self-assess where they're at, where their gaps are, and then use that as a, as a plan, a development plan to move forward. And, it might, and there is a need for them to be able to uh, self-assess as they develop. And there's also a need for them to engage with another person to also support them in that reflective capability. But at the end of it, do they need a license or a certificate? And because, because that's what we're beginning to see. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And there, there will be a group of people that will feel comfortable that they have a license or a certificate. Sure. And there'll be a group of people that won't need that, that will be great facilitators. Um, <laughs> And, and that's just, you know, that's, that's the... Uh... And I suppose it's, it's, it's interesting at the moment. If we think about people who want to be part, say, of the Interpro uh, accreditation framework, that whole thing around health and safety, it's, it's one thing gaining that accreditation. But if they don't maintain their portfolio of evidence yep. of the ongoing use and practice then they can't keep it. And I think if, if I was thinking about accreditation, it's actually about what people, people do with these new skills they've gained rather than how they gain them to begin with. I certainly think that there is a, a lot more value to accruing a skill over time where you have an opportunity to have an input to reflect on it um, to, you know, to practice it, to reflect on it again, um, so that you're building it up like you would a scaffold. Um, I'm certainly concerned. I certainly wouldn't think that there is a, an enormous amount of value from where you do a short amount of um, input. And at the end of it, you're then given the certificate that says you're going to be this really expert um, learning team provider. Um, so I think that it's trying to find that balance, isn't it? You know, I think it's trying to give people a really good clear of what does good look like for them, an understanding of where they start, an understanding of where the gaps are, making sure that in, that the input can match where people are in terms of that skill need, um, but also a, a support system to show that they can progress or help them to progress along the way. Right. So is, is this also something about the fact that how we assess um, technical skills versus how we assess soft skills can be quite different. Yeah, I definitely say so. And if, and if we think about a lot of safety has been based around technical skills, their, their ability to be able to evaluate information, their, their ability to be able to provide context around it. You know, so if I think about how a lot of sort of safety training happens, 
it's about that whole whole sort of you know gaining knowledge, applying knowledge, and then and then demonstrating the application of knowledge. And I just wonder, you know, are soft skills different? I think sometimes with even with the technical skills that actually we are assessing something that we don't think we are. I think that we often think that we're assessing um, knowledge and, and acquisition of skill and then application of skill, but half the time actually what we're testing is um, memory recall and semantics. So I think that um, so often our assessment criteria doesn't match what it is that we think that we're trying to achieve. But so does it become important that people can practice those skills in front of others and then be assessed against those skills? So if they are running a learning team, is that something that, and I'm not saying record a learning team, but to say that, okay, we're going to run a learning team on a particular topic and they get to use those those skills that they're developing and then get assessed against the criteria? Absolutely. I think that there, there's a really important component around, you know, the validity of um, self-appraisal. You know, we all know that us human beings are, um, are very prone to either being a little bit... Um, over enthusiastic about our own individual skill levels and sometimes we're a little bit you know under enthusiastic in terms of our own skill levels so I think it's really important that there is some validation that where we think we're tracking that we are tracking I suppose this just comes down to a different um, a difference in, in um, paradigms you know some people I think might prefer the traditional approach where you do you know, an assessment at the end, somebody gives you a certificate, they say you're good to go. I suppose what we're trying to do is really build on practice, aren't we? Yeah. You know, we're trying to acknowledge that people have come with a starting point and that we're trying to articulate what does good look like and give people an opportunity to self-assess. We're certainly trying to look at what is the type of interventions that are going to make sense for people, um, provide a community of practice so people have that opportunity to kind of try things out, talk about what works, what doesn't work provide coaching and mentoring so that something can be really um, individualized for the for the person in terms of their own journey rather than saying this is kind of a top-down approach where you come you do two days of this and you pop out the other end and you are this wonderfully new skilled person Um, you know we're all trainers in our own right and we've all seen that you know that has a value but it doesn't have a it's not a hundred percent is it you know it takes it takes a lot to get somebody to make transformational change in practice um, all of those, there's a number of things other than just the input. Yeah, I think it, it, from from that point of view, I totally agree that it needs that community of practice where people can talk about how they're going and then assess themselves and reflect on each learning team that they are involved in or facilitated. Um, but I think there are, you know, I don't think you can do it in two days and it's a set course because I think people are going to go on that journey at different speeds and they're going to do learning teams at different speeds, aren't they? They're going to use these new skills when the opportunity arises. It's not on a, you know, you can't say, I've got to do three in three weeks or whatever, a numeric around it. That's going to have to be different to that. So what does that look like moving forward? How do we, how do we help people along that journey? Well, if I think about how we have um, delivered to organisations some of that foundational component, we've actually run a learning team on learning teams. So yep. we've immersed people into the learning team concept by running the sessions as a learning team, meaning that the sessions are a couple of hours. Yep. 
people aren't being brought into Rome or being for that for a period of time. It's about getting that. And and once again, they they have to come to that with some form of prior knowledge. And if we go back to part of the reason why we wrote the book was so that a person can gain a lot of that prior knowledge coming into it so that they understand what good looks like, they understand where they're at, and they're starting to form in their head where they need to be. And sometimes what they miss and what some of this training is about is about hope. It's, it's about trying to fill in some of those gaps or giving those people that opportunity. Because a, a lot of training, and like, like today, you know, I'm teaching the diploma in safety on, on, on risk management. I would really have loved to have sat down with each person and understand their background, where they've come from, to understand their current state of knowledge. Can't do that. So a good example of this group today, I basically said, um, uh, you know, can you please self-assess your, um, your competency in risk management? And, and the, first, the first choice is that you're emerging. The second choice is that you're proficient. The third choice that you were expert. And the fifth choice is I don't know what I don't know. And what was the outcome, Brent? Well, most people got bedazzled by the fourth choice. <laughs> bedazzled. They were bedazzled because you could see the look on their face. So I gave them five minutes to reflect on what that was. And 75% of people put themselves in number four. And surely the efficacy of that comes down to how good is the criteria that you're trying to compare yourself against? Yeah. And again, what sort of evidence have you got that shows that you're at that criteria? Yeah. So, so the reality, I suppose, what this sort of comes back to is that um, learning is a lifetime objective and you always continue to learn. And the fact that they were on the diploma was because they still want to learn and they want to learn more. Um, so I, I just thought it was interesting because it was just a play on words. I, I'm sure if I had have just given them the three options, I'm sure lots of people would have chosen the center. They would have said, you know, proficient. You'd always have a couple of outliers that would go experts. Yep. And a couple of people that underrate themselves. Yeah, all, always. But most people would sit in that center. In that case, so I thought I, I upset the apple cart by um, sort of moving it along a little bit further. Look, I, I think on, on my journey with learning teams is that the self-reflection or the reflection of how you've performed um, has been really powerful. I think the thing you've got to be careful of sometimes is you can be quite hard on yourself along that journey as well. You know, well, I I found that I could be, you know, and, and speaking with you guys when we ran it past each other, you know, you get a different view on it because you're getting a, a view of a greater group of people that have done it numerous times. And I think that you know, back to Glynis's point that there is a community of practice, and people are working with each other as they move forward, and there is an opportunity for coaching and mentoring. Um, helps on that helps on that journey of learning and, and getting better at it and that's you know i think brent you've said it as well is that you want to start with the you know the management of change of the every day because it's just an easier place to start than with all the emotion around 
an event-based learning team. Oh, you, you don't get overloaded. No. And and it's hard enough for a lot of safety people to move in and out of that expert mode versus facilitator mode. Yeah. People really find that difficult to understand they're two different worlds and that when you're running a learning team, you are in facilitative mode, not expert mode. And I think we all fall into that trap that we can't help ourselves because that's that's what we've conditioned to try and do. Hmm. So I think back to that original question, should there be a formal qualification or a, a formal assessment? Is It's what drives everything in business, isn't it? That there needs to be a measurement, a pass marker, an index. And that's where I think some people will be coming from is that there is something that they can they can put their hand on and say, hey, yep, I've done that, I've ticked it, and I've moved on. Where there'll be a group of people that will go, I'm really comfortable with myself, and I and I belong to a community of practitioners. And helping other people will drive them on that journey. But I still think you're going to have those two groups of people, aren't you? Because that's why you've got people going on the diploma today, haven't you? Yeah, well, I mean, once learn. again, yep, they're wanting to learn, but they're also wanting to get formal recognition, recognition. Yep. which they have no choice but to complete the diploma to get that formal recognition. I, I sort of wonder sometimes, are people looking for some acknowledgement of um, attainment of a skill rather than an, ass an assessment of a skill? I, th I think... It might even be as simple as acknowledgement of effort. I've put some effort into doing something and I get this from it. Right. So if we were to think about that, that say that evidence-based approach, then that goes back to our conversation earlier about what we've been trying to do with the journal, with the learning yep. team's journal, which is the person being able to evaluate where they're at now the person knowing where they need to be, therefore what is their what is their development plan? What what are the steps they're going to take? And as they go through those steps, what has what has been that reflective process, not only um, by themselves, but also with a coach and a mentor. Yep. So that over time they can look back and they can see how they have progressed over time. Yeah. Well, I definitely think the evidence-based approach is the way to go and you know in some other in a different context i've seen it work really well so when you're becoming a a lean facilitator it's not a, you know there's some training to give you some basic skills yeah but you've really got to go and practice those and run some you know some value stream mapping sessions some kaizen sessions mm -hmm. some eight step sessions and then after a period of time your coach or mentor then walks through the outcome of those how did it work? What could go better? And that's that was the assessment of where you were along that journey. Right. And it is a journey, right? Because every time you get an opportunity to try one of those, it's something new. So it's different. Could, to, it's different to what, a little different to what we're talking about. But sure. So is is the accreditation simply formal recognition of that person having followed through on that evidence based approach? and that they've been able to um, show in their journal how they have developed and how they have applied themselves and what they've learned from that. 
remembering that at the end of the day, the moment they stop doing it, they're going to start to lose those skills. Yes, and they do. And and that's why yeah. that, you know, again, there's a numeric about how many of them you do per year to keep that proficiency right. at, a, at a level that the organization might want to set. comes back to measuring though, doesn't it? You know, we're having this great debate about measuring or not to measure and... Uh, yeah, well, I, I think it's about um, you have to you have to apply those skills to retain those skills. You have to apply those skills to build those skills. If you're not applying the skills, you're going to lose those skills. Yeah, and quickly too. Look, I absolutely agree with you. I think that if you don't um, if you don't have an opportunity to assess where you are at the beginning, it's very difficult for you to become an active learner. Um, so I think that the approach where you have an idea of where you're trying to get to, where you are at the moment, have some inputs and then have an opportunity to practice and to reflect on those practicing. Um, I agree with you that if you don't use the skill, you, you lose the skill. So it is setting up people in su to, to support people so that they can make um, changes in practice and then apply those changes in practice so that they, they get mastery of skill. Um, and, and how we do that I think really is the key. Um, I personally favor the approach where we, we put people in as the active learner um, as opposed to a passive learner. But um, ultimately, it is about helping people develop a skill set and to apply a skill set. And then that they can continue to reflect on whether or not that they are keeping that skill set um, you know, viable and, and, and embed it throughout the organization. I see some value, potential value, if people want to have some form of being recognized. So recognition for them having gone through their journey. I think there's, that could certainly be looked at. It really is a body of evidence, isn't it? Yeah. You've, you've, you've created a body of evidence that shows that you've moved from where you started your journey to where you are now. Is that, well, Glynis, what's your view on this? Yeah, most definitely. I think that um, it is about being able to show that you've got examples that you have applied um, knowledge and skills, that you've applied a set of competencies, isn't it? Um, whether you have something formal at the end of it, actually, I think that, um, you know, as we acknowledged in the book, that people are at different starting points. So actually, I think we should mile, we should, you know, um, show some acknowledgement of those particular milestones um, and definitely show acknowledgement of somebody that's got mastery of skill and the progression through that. I also really take on board your point that, you know, some, some people are going to want to kind of show that they have gained something so perhaps a certificate i understand that you know a certificate of attendance a, a certificate of of progression um and that those certificates of progressions lead towards something um i appreciate that in my own learning i suppose the thing that i would really like for this to be built on is around that portfolio of evidence that somebody can show that they've done some inputs they've they've tried something out they've reflected on it and through that reflection, there's been some growth. So it's how do you capture that? Mm -hmm. And and whether we run it as a as a something that runs alongside concurrently around a more formal process that shows that somebody has in fact um, achieved mastery of skill or or the development of skill. Um, yeah, that's all for me. That's something that I think that we need to continue to talk to people about and see, you know, what is the preferred method. Um, but I think it should be based on something that is 
um, you know, echoes really good adult education principles, which is, you know, treating adults as, as you know, sentient beings that have an understanding of where they're at and um, are wanting to develop new skills and that those new skills are well um, scaffolded and we support good positive learning um, and for people to be, have an acknowledgement of that learning. Yep, rather than passing a test. Y yeah, I, I don't see that as being um, particularly, I don't see it as being that helpful. Yeah, or a certificate because you, you showed up for a day mm. and you enjoyed the lunch. Or you attended six Zoom meetings. Mm. Yeah, I, I just wonder what the validity of those are. I think we can, I think you can still get certificates. I think you can still get certificates of proficiency. Um, I suppose my interest in is how you get them. Yeah, perfect. Well, sounds like a interesting conversation for another round later on. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com, support the authors of the practice of learning teams, purchase the book from amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.